Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. It's our 63rd episode. This month, I'm again joined by Andy, our tech guy at GPS Training. Welcome, Andy, to this month's GPS Training Podcast. Thank you, John. Andy, what have you been up to over the last month? Over the last month? Um, or should we say, what have you been up to over the last four days, five days? What's been going on in Andy's world the last five days? been living in the dark in the last four days um, after the storm. Yeah, so we've been interesting. Yeah, we've had a, people have been watching the news with the storms hit the northeast of England and the south of Scotland and it kind of decimated the area that we're in. So uh, we've had no power, no electricity. Andy lives a little bit outside the village and uh, you've had a a bit of a rough time, haven't you, Andy? Yeah, still no power. We've got it off for possibly another two days, so it's been four days at the moment. Yeah, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, which is the day before it goes out, and the power went off at half eight, half nine, about, was it? It was about half seven on Friday night, it was. Oh. Friday night, yeah. It's not good, is it? It's not good. Yeah. But I've been, I mean, prior to that, I've been doing uh, lots of training runs, trail running runs on a weekend, testing out my Garmin and some other equipment for an event I'm doing. Which is the Spine Challenge race. Monty and Spine Challenger in June next year. Excellent. We got one minute, 20 seconds in, Andy, before you mentioned it. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get a plug in. (laughs) So you've been busy. You haven't been doing much training because you can't have a shower, man, can you, at the moment? this weekend, but prior to that, I've been out every every weekend on long training runs. Excellent. Very good. So, in this month's GPS training podcast, as it's now turning dark, shortly after four o'clock, we talk to Andy with regards to walking in the dark. What are the things that may help you with this then we're going to discuss stock so uh, with so many units going out of stock runs at christmas and we're going to be out of stock in january we're just going to discuss discuss some of the various options and reasons why then we're going to look at the big software update that has just come out for the garmin gps map 66 86 series and montana 700 series then finally we have andy's top tips some of the questions you the listeners have been asking over the past month So, without further ado, let's get on with today's GPS training podcast. So then, Andy, because you're getting ready for the spine race, as we just already discussed, um, you've been doing some night walking, nights are drawing in, and uh, yeah, is your train going well, first of all? Are you pleased with the way it's going? Yeah, no, pretty happy with how it's going. Um, We're just starting to gradually ramp up the distances. And the sort of terrain that we go on, trying to get a bit hillier as we go on, just so I'm I'm used to those long distances over basically hilly terrain. And I suppose at this time of year, you're going to always hit the dark, aren't you? Because whatever time you go out, it's going to be dark either when you start or when you finish. Really. Listen, I'm not normally a morning person, but just trying to squeeze the training in amongst family, even on a weekend. I've sort of been getting up at six in the morning, going out at six in the morning when it's still dark. But I've started doing some evening runs, just short runs initially, just to get used to using the equipment in the dark because I am going to have to navigate on the montane in the dark. So that's been using your head torch at night time. I know you've been 
Andy gets uh, his running kit on in the uh, in the office at night to go to a run fate after work, don't you? So yeah. uh, with your head torch on, so that's brilliant. So what are the things? So let's think about um, navigating with a GPS unit. Um, we're tying a, a number of things here. So I suppose let's work around your unit. You're using a Garmin 86 series, which is the same as a 66 series. So I suppose yeah. we can kind of loosely base the conversation a little bit about that. What are the some of the things that you've done with both your GPS unit um, and, and some of the benefits of, of that type of GPS unit when we're walking in the dark? Really? Yeah, no problems. I mean, all of the GPSs we sell, whether they're Garmin or SatMac, they've all got backlit screens. So the screens are all great in the dark. But um, I went for the... I've got the 86i push-button unit, which, as John's mentioned, is basically the same as the 66s or the 66i. It's just a slightly larger version for marine use floating on water, which hopefully I won't need. But it's really the the buttons that I like on it, if I start with sort of navigating in the dark, the button, it's the first unit I've had where the buttons are actually backlit. So there's a little light shining through the buttons and because the buttons are marked with what they do on the 66 or the 86 eyes, it just helps you a bit in the dark that you have got those backlit buttons. Mm -hmm. It's a key feature. Once you start using a unit with backlit buttons, because the previous model, no, your 64, 62s, they were just solid buttons, weren't they? They didn't have the backlit yeah. on the I'm back. I'm pretty sure this is the first unit I've ever used with backlit mm -hmm. buttons. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, great. And I mean, I went for the push button unit just because I'm out in all weathers. I mean, typical Northumberland, or you could say a lot of the UK. But I'm out in all weathers, and it's just the fact I've got buttons rather than... It's my preference over the touchscreen because I know... It doesn't matter if the unit's covered in water, press the button's fine. And it's a little bit slimmer than the bigger touchscreen units we do, so I've got to think of size and weight when I'm trail running for how I'm going to carry it. Um, but the other thing I've really, I've just, I was amazed with them. Um, it's the first time really I've done night navigation for years, and it was the backlit on the screen. I couldn't quite get my head around it. I don't know if this makes sense, but I automatically thought that you've got a backlight setting on all of the Garmin's, where you can have it at sort of virtually 0%, 10% or really high. And I don't know why, I just assumed in the dark you would put the backlight up really high. What I've found is backlight down to 10%, the way it works in the dark is just great. So one, you're not using as much battery because the backlight's right down, but it's absolutely spot on. You don't have that backlight up high in the dark. Yeah, so the thing I learned when I started doing night walking is actually, you, as you say, you kind of think, oh, it's going to be around 50, 70%, but actually it's just far too bright, so you can't see it. And then, I mean, 10% is absolutely ideal, isn't it, really? It was a strange one. I mean, I know with the Garmin's uh, that have the trans-reflective screens, when it's lovely bright sunlight, you have the backlight right down because the sunlight brings the screen to life. So again, I just thought, well, dark, you put the backlight up. All I think is about the backlight now going up is when it's a dull day and you haven't got the sun out and it's not night time, is the only time you're probably going to put the backlight up. I totally understand where you come from. Because for me, I, I kind of think myself is, you know, naturally before I started night walking is, you kind of thought, I want the brightest of everything. I want the brightest head torch. I want the brightest yeah. GPS screen. And that mentally you kind of thought, because actually that's the way you've judged it. But actually when you start doing night navigation, you realise that actually you want everything as dim as possible that you can see it. Because otherwise your, your eyes suddenly shrink down the pupils shrink if you yeah. are something bright and you want to keep your pupils as, as natural so you, you want to see what's around you even outside your head towards view so the way to do that is bring your contrast down on 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 your gps unit so it's as dull as possible and also on your head towards people we move on to head towards people think you're the brightest head towards ever but you want it quite dim as long as you can see where you're going conserve battery life and also you can see the landscape around you, you can see the mountain tops you can see yeah. the lie of that path and it, it's this false 
uh, yeah, people think, well, we want the brightest possible. Actually, you want the dimmest you can potentially get away with, don't you? No, and I think that's exactly the same with the the screen. Ten percent screen is perfect, isn't it? So, so yeah. On so going back to the unit, then in a nutshell, the sixty six series or the eighty six series backlit screen only needs to be ten percent. Great in the night, and just the backlit buttons. Mm -hmm. And I found it great because you don't want you know getting a map out in the dark and trying to fumble around with a map is not great. GPS is great for the nighttime navigation. Excellent. Head torches, we just mentioned them briefly then. So, Head Torch King Andy, come yes, on. So, um, I bet you've been using the last few days wandering around your house at night. Yeah, you so head the head torch? torches, we've used a lot of the house the last <laughs> few days. But uh, we sell a great range of head torches now. Um, so, I mean, I spend a fortune. I buy all my toys from work. Just uh, lucky that we've got all this equipment at work. But we've got a new range in of, um, we've got a new range of the silver head torches. And one of the silver head torches is called the trail runner series um so i thought well i'm trail running let's look at the features and benefits of the trail runner how's that going to help me um and the one i went for was the trail runner free they do do a trail runner free h that also has uh, a, a rechargeable battery mm -hmm. the one i've the one i've got just takes three triple a batteries even though i could buy that rechargeable battery but i think the reason i went for it, what i liked um there's a couple of things really weight i don't like anything too heavy on my head and what was interesting about it, it's the first head torch i've come across that there may be other ones out there that work this way with the silver trail runner series you don't have to have the batteries on the back of your head which obviously take up a bit of weight it comes with an extension cable on the trail runner ones that allows you if you've got a pocket inside it i know it depends what you're wearing uh, but in the cold nights i am normally wearing a jacket with a pocket i can drop the battery inside that pocket so i've only got the weight of the torch and that will also conserve the battery life as well by having it warm next to your yeah, body so the battery is warm so that was one reason i looked at the silver trail runner series um because of that because of the weight then it's only actually 55 grams which is mm -hmm. nothing without the battery with the battery pack it is 120 grams which is still fairly light that was the first thing um I mean, we haven't even talked about lumens, of course, brightness-wise. When you're trail running, I've sort of found that really you don't want to go any lower than a couple of hundred lumens. Mm -hmm. So the one I've got, the Trail Runner Free, is 400 lumens on the high setting, which is great. But I am fine. depends on the terrain. And sometimes when, when I'm on a, a, more a, a, a bigger sort of path with not as many twists and turns, I find I can drop it down to the 200 lumen. Um, so it was looking at something that had various settings and it does actually have a 50 lumen setting so if you just stop chatting or you're just walking slowly and you're not actually running which i probably i don't think i'm going to be running the whole of the montane spine challenge in the dark the 50 lumens is actually not bad you think it would be too low but actually when you're just walking in a slow pace you can't actually use it at the 50 lumens. that's what i do when I, I wear a head torch every night when i walk the dog so i go do my uh, 10,000 steps every night and i just bring my head torch once i hit turn off the street lights i'm into the fields or into the countryside i just turn mine down to the lowest setting which must be 50 i think i don't yeah. know 50 or 100 anyway. i mean it depends what you're doing really mm -hmm. to whether you you know if i'm trail running or off off the beaten track i do need to see that bit further ahead so i then just knock it up it's nice that you've got those different settings um another interesting thing that i've not come across before on a head torch i was just having a good look at the the lamps earlier um there's actually two led lamps on the silver head torch and they've got this thing called intelligent light system on the silvers and actually when you look at the two leds a lot of head torches it's just two leds to shine in the same direction the way the silver works especially for a trail runner one of the beams is slightly angled automatically directly in front of you 
and the other one further away. I mean, you do have the normal tilt that you'd have on any head torch, the tilted up or down, but it has this intelligent system. The idea is you're not having to move your head as much to look right down in front of your feet in a head. It sort of does that for you with the twin beam system, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I found really good. And the one going forward must be a bit more precise, if that makes sense, where the one is a bit more, I don't know, the terminology is wide. I'm showing my hands out wider, one in front of you, and then the other one's mm -hmm. pointing a little bit more. Yeah, because loads of head torches seem to have twin beam, but they don't talk about one beam being at a slightly different angle. And I found that, interesting. I found that really does work. I wasn't sure how I'd get on with it. Um, so that was another reason. And I suppose the final one I looked at, um, well, actually, there's two, I've got two, sorry, there's so many features, which when you look at it, IP rating's important. It's got an IPX5 rating, which heavy rain, not a problem. And of course, I, I have to go out and run in heavy rain. Unfortunately, I don't get, when you're training, you can't just have weekends off because of the weather. I've got to get, get in there and do as much as I can. And when I actually do the challenge, I can't pick the weather at the end of the day. So good IP rating. I suppose the final thing which you don't get on all the head torches, as long as I've got the battery still on my head and I haven't dropped it on an inside pocket, it has what they call a red LED safety light on the back. So when I'm running around the streets from where I live, not off the beaten track and there could be cars coming round, it's actually got this quite bright red LED that you can turn and on. And that flashes, does it, I think, does it? Yeah, it on the back, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can be flash or solid, sorry. Right, okay. So it just had quite a few features that I really liked, you know. Mm -hmm. Um but as you know, we have some other head torches as well, <laughs> just to confuse the matter. Come, what are the other head torches, Danny? What are the yeah, benefits so, of the other ones? So I'm just going to make one other, because I was tied between two head torches, uh -huh. basically. We'll have, a, we'll have a big range of torches, but I was looking at either the Silver Trail Runner 3, which is the one I got, round about the, I think we've got that round about the 68, 70 pound mark at the mm. moment. The one with the rechargeable battery is 110 pounds. Um, we have another product called the Nebo, and in the Nebo range of torches we've got, we've got one called the Nebo 1000 Flex. A thousand lumens, that's brightness. Yeah. Now the main thing with the, the Nebo when you look at it is the price, because you you know, price does come into it, mm. and you're going to look and think, well, Andy spent £68 on his, or it could have been £110 if I'd got the rechargeable battery. You've got this Nebo one for just under £45. Why is it so much cheaper? And I suppose you weigh up pros and cons because I still think it's a great torch, to be honest, the Nebo 1000. So if I run through the Nebo 1000, just as a comparison, it'll give you an idea, you know, why I went for the one I got, but everyone's doing different activities. Uh, Nebo 1000, it does have this 1000 lumen, lumen, but that's just a turbo boost. You only put that on for a few seconds. You're not going to leave it on that. But it does mean if you want to look really far ahead, even just for that, 10, I think it's a 10, 20 seconds yeah, or something yeah, it comes yeah. on for, you can do that. But the main thing is really what's its standard lumen setting. It's not that far off what the silver one is that I've got at 400 lumens. It's 350 lumens. Mm -hmm. So if we're comparing like for like, it's not very similar on the high setting, 350 lumens. Battery life's not an awful lot difference. It has a medium setting, 150 lumens, a little bit lower than the silver one, and a really low setting of 10 lumens, which I know you've used, John, and said was mm -hmm. fine for mm -hmm. Just walking, walking the yeah. dog. Potentially for me trail running, I think that one might be a little bit too low. If I go to the weight of it, it's a very similar weight mm -hmm. to the silver one, but I don't have the option of taking the battery off. Yeah. So if I really want to feel nothing on my head and get that weight right down, I can't do that with a Nebo. You've got to have the battery with it. Mm -hmm. So I suppose in really cold weather, that means that battery is exposed. Yeah. So that was one of the reasons. Um, the Nebo one has a slightly lower IP rating, so it's still fine in a light rain shower, but it might not, you know, if we're talking heavy torrential downpours where most sensible people 
wouldn't mm-hmm. be out. Whereas I'm not going to have the choice when I'm doing a challenge race for charity. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed that extra sort of IP written, but it's still, you know, IPX4, so still for out in the rain. It has a rechargeable battery that it comes with as standard, and you have the option of using your own batteries. So I sp- and it doesn't have this intelligent light system. It has the twin LEDs, but they're just pointing in the same direction. So I like the idea of that for me trail running. Mm-hmm. But I think if you want an everyday torch for out, you know, as an emergency backup in your backpack for walking and hiking, you know it's got a decent lumen. When we talk about lumen, again, we didn't mention this at the start. That's the strength of the light, the brightness of the light. And I think for the money, it's, it's a good buy. You just didn't have a few of the extra little features that I felt I needed for the trail running, if that makes sense. I think it kind of, something like this, it has been Ebby's rucksack. I really, I, I partly believe that is, as you know, this time of year, it's going dark at four. We're going out for a day's walk and just go for a casual walk with your friends. More than likely, you're going to be caught out in the dark. We've got to be prepared. A head torch like that for 45 quid in your rucksack, you've got it there just in case, haven't you? It's absolutely yeah. perfect. Otherwise, you're going to be navigating with your mobile phone at five o'clock and you'll have no battery left. That's the reality of it because you know we all have torch in our mobile phone. So something like that in your rucksack. Nice internal battery as well, which holds this charge as well, doesn't it? So if you don't yeah. use it for months, it holds this charge. It's quite interesting you say about that thousand lumens. What I found with it, and, and when I did my walk, I was walking down the coast with it, I found that lumens, that boost, really good for looking for a path in the distance. I was coming down the beach, where do I come off this beach? Where do I come off this beach? Thousand lumens, you can look to the sand dunes for a few seconds, right, that's where I'm heading to. I was looking hundreds of meters ahead of myself at that point, yeah. and that's when that boost was absolutely phenomenal, really, rather than just having the 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 yeah. low one all the time so there is that benefit of that boost but as you say it's like 10 or 20 seconds but that's all you need yeah. otherwise you just destroy your battery won't it? I mean, you know if you look on the gps training website under the store and under head torches and torches we've got a you know there's not just those two options we have other options that are slightly less in price really when you go down in price you go you're going down in lumen mm-hmm. so it's really if you're doing a lot of off-road stuff off the beaten track i think having something that has that higher lumen option just to really see the rough terrain in front as a necessity. But there is some great other torches within both those ranges. We got that slightly less lumens, but you're mm-hmm. saving a bit of money and for everyday use. Great. You know? There's loads of nice head torches. I'm just looking now around look, 25 quid, 24 99 23 99 29 99 You know, some really nice 28 There's four head torches between 23.99 and 30 quid you know not an awful lot of money and essential backup really isn't it i think the night the silver brands are known brand we all know mm-hmm. silver swiss for their compasses but again on a budget the nebo one it's it's not a bad mm. brand i've quite you know using the the nebo 1000 flex that we've talked about again i found it, it was a hard to you know when you're looking at the cost it is do i save a bit of money i've went for some extra features but still a great torch for the price i walk every night with an ebo yeah you've got why did i choose an ebo Go on. Because of the thousand news. Because <laughs> somebody gave it to me for free. You got it for free. Yeah, I had to buy mine. No wonder. Yeah. When the rep gives you a free head torch, you wear it, you see. That's what you do. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I make my decisions. So if somebody gave me... That's brilliant. So that kind of talks a little bit about the head torch. Are you using walking poles or not, Andy, yet? It's in, um, looking at the Montaigne Spine Challenger, it's, a, it's 108 miles, the one I'm doing. Mm. Most people are talking about that distance and for the night navigation you do really need to use poles. Mm-hmm. I'm totally new to poles. I've never used them before. So I've t- I, when I go out on my training runs, I've got everything that I need, all the emergency kit that we've got to take on the Montane, I've got with me so I get used to carrying the weight. I've, I've had the poles every single time I've been out. I've only used them the once. I'm finding it hard to get used to them, but I'm right. going to have to. I think I am going to need them. I mean, you use them a lot, I know. Uh, all the time, um, yeah. 
and I know they're going to help steady me, especially coming down some of these steep downhills in the dark. Mm -hmm. I just need to practice a bit more and get more familiar with getting them out quickly. They're collapsible ones, they're mm -hmm. lightweight, so they don't take up any room. But I just need to practice really mm. using them. Practice walking with them first, then get you get going yeah. a bit quicker. That's what you need to do with them. But I'm, I'm a massive, especially at night time, as you say, it keeps you upright, stops you stumbling up, stops you falling over. And I can't think of myself, if it stops you going over on your ankle a couple of times, well, that could make you finish and not finish, wouldn't you, really? Yeah. So. yeah. Good stuff. Have you done any of the thinking ahead of the uh, the spine challenge awake? Have you planned the route, downloaded the GPX file yet? Looked yeah. at it and let work on it. Yeah, or not? I mean everything I'm doing. Uh, I mean all the training runs. Even though I know where I'm going, when I do the Montane spine, I'm not that familiar with the Pennine way. I haven't done an awful lot of the Pennine mm -hmm. way over the years. So what I'm doing now to practice, even for me training runs, even when in theory I should know where I'm going, I'm still creating the routes on either Garmin's Basecamp software or I've been using our free. Ordnance Survey Planner on the homepage of our website. Just so I get used to following a route, what it's like when it's dark, you can't see the turn coming up and using the GPS. And yes, the Montane Spine Challenge, I have given us the GPX files already to look at, but they have said, obviously, there could be changes. It's not until June next year, so I'll be re-downloading them. But I have had a look at them and try not to worry too much when I look at the elevation plots on them. Right. Are they tracks, are they? they are, they've done them as... They've split them into three tracks so that they load... But you could, on a on a Garmin GPS, you ha, GPS, sorry, you have a stipulation of the number of points in a, mm. or a track, and when it's long distance courses, routes, um, a track tends to be work better. And I must admit, the Montane Spine Challenger team have been great, and they've done them as GPX tracks, and I've got them on my unit already to to look at. <laughs> We've had the safety officer on past podcasts, haven't we? I think you've been liaising a little bit. Oh so. yeah, yeah. So yeah, very yeah. good, good stuff. Anything else we've not covered so far with your training that you you've learnt over the last uh, few months, Andy, with the training? I think it's I've just got to really stick it and start pushing it. You know, 108 mile in one go is it is something I've never done before. I've done long hikes. I've done long, you know, I've done challenges before where it's been 30 miles. You know, but 30 miles isn't 108 miles. So I think I've really just got to get my head down and keep it. it um, at the minute, it's been, you know, it, it, it is fitting around family. And of course, it is a dark time of year. So it's, it's trying to get them squeezed in. But well, at least at the minute, we're making sure every single Saturday or Sunday we're out doing a, the minute we're sort of getting up to the 20 miles now. And we're just going to start adding and adding Fantastic. to the distances. And um, then yeah, I've got, I've, I'm doing it for charities, as you know. So I've got to really, I mean, that's one of the driving forces that pushes you to do these sort of things. Um, so what you're just giving, Paige, Andy? Do you know what you're just giving websites? I do, yes. Um, so I'm just giving, and I'll tell you what charities I'm doing them for as well, um, if you don't mind. Uh, just giving, www.justgiving.com, and then it's forward slash team, so T-E-A-M, forward slash Andy Air. My surname's A. Y for Yankee, R for Romeo, E for Echo, Spine Challenger. I should have probably made it a shorter one. So www.justgiving.com forward slash team forward slash Andy Air Spine Challenger. And I'm doing it for two charities that link in nicely together. Um, sadly, my next door neighbour passed away a couple of years ago of MS. She'd had MS for a lot of years, but she was in the Mountain Rescue. She was a team member of the Mountain Rescue for years loved the outdoors, a husband who's going to actually help me on the Montane Spine as our driver if needed. He was in the Mountain Rescue for many years as well. So I'm actually doing it for two charities, the MS Research and Relief Fund, which are based in Northumberland, 
because of Anne's MS and all the help they gave her and her husband. And also what I think, you know, especially the sort of stuff that we do every day and we're out in the outdoors, the Northumberland National Parks Mountain Rescue Team. Um, again, it links in nice because Anne, my neighbour, was in the mountain rescue as well. So they do well out of us mountain yeah, rescue. So there they two. And you know, <laughs> we're out there in the outdoors all the time, and you you don't realise what these guys do. You know, they're all volunteers. You know, having to fund that qu- equipment and kit and that. So two great charities. So thank you for letting me have a little plug of those. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well. So if you didn't manage to catch that, I'll put a link in the show notes. Just have a look at the show notes, and you'll be able to click on those. So if you want to find out more about the head torch that we just had offered, just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk. Click on GPS Store on the top menu bar, and then you'll see Head Torches and Torches. The next thing on this month's GPS Training Podcast is stock, a reoccurring theme. I'm thinking I'm starting to turn a bit of a bore about stock, um, but as we uh, run up to Christmas, I keep saying this to so many people on the phone, if you see something you want, please buy it. Why is there a lack of stock? Lack of chips. So we all know, read it in the news, and if you order a car now, you're waiting a year and a half, Andy, to buy it. Not that we ever buy new cars, but there's some <laughs> terrible stories around, isn't there, of uh, of, of these chips that yeah were, it's the chips that go in everything that we use these yeah. days fridges freezers the lot exactly and the supply chain just doesn't seem to be there as well so we've all read about the the various issues and i'll be honest with you i'm just going to read out what we are out of stock at the moment it's absolutely phenomenal out of stock of garmin e-trex 22x 32x e-trex 35t Oregon 700, Garmin GPS Map 65, 65S, and Garmin GPS Map 66SR. So to be honest, that's about 50% of GPS units are currently out of stock. I know SatMap are out of stock at the moment as well. We've not got any of those in stock. So it's just amazing to see what an effect is. Absolutely, you know, we just look around other retailers and just nobody has anything like it. It's just... Yeah, we've not known anything like this before. I've never seen anything like <coughs> it. So all I can say, if you want to buy as a present, please do buy by the stock. We're expecting more delivery in January next year. So it's going to be, we're giving the middle of January, but actually knowing Garmin and other suppliers, it's going to be more than likely the end of January. So really, we're going to look a good, you know, two months where we're really going to struggle with stock. So again... Um, fingers crossed I'm wrong there um, but all I can say is no if you want something no get in touch get it if it's in stock because literally we have no tens of types of units no we we, we do have a, a fair amount of stock of what we've got in stock but we will run out before Christmas I'm guaranteed that so if you want to find out more about GPS units please just go to our website which is gpstraining.co.uk click on GPS store on the top menu bar and handheld GPS units The next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is the recent software updates for the Garmin GPS Map 66 and 86 series and the Montana 700 series. So Andy, it's quite a big update for each of these units, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just um, it was about the 17th of November, so we normally get the updates a few days later that the, the 66s and 86s Montana 700s had a big update, which had a big list of things that it it did, basically. Now, we always talk about updates about fixing things, which, mm-hmm. yes, it. I mean, I'm not going to reel out the whole list. I'll explain how customers can find out and do the updates. But, yes, it, it did fix a couple of things we had noticed and had issues with. But it's added, um, to me, a couple of nice features and one that I really like just because of the way I use I, I own a Garmin Phoenix watch. And I use the watch in a certain way that I've not been able to use 
my 86i, but this new feature that I'll talk about has now been added, which allows me to do that. So it's always not just about fixing something. It is sometimes about adding a new feature. It's like quite nice to see Garmin do that, because as I say, normally with Garmin, it's, it's like, oh, fix his fault, fix his fault. Actually, to add a new feature into it, which is quite an interesting concept, really, from going forward, isn't it? And kind of tying it into what people have been requesting, I suspect, as yeah. well. I mean, I, I could, you know, you could go down and reel off all the fixes. Some of the things I'm not even aware of, and are things that a lot of people wouldn't have even been using necessarily the GPS for. A couple of things I noted that we had come across over the months was um, on the GPS devices, when you recorded an activity, it records it as two files, a track recording, which goes into the archive tracks, a GPX file, and something called the .fit file, which went into the activity recordings. And I used to notice that both of those had slightly different data. The .fit file always seemed to be slightly longer in how far you'd walked and slightly different elevation. I noticed one of the fixes said fixed missing data from GPX track. So I've now noticed when you do a recording, the GPX file that goes in the archive tracks and the activity fit file both match each other. Right. Um, elevation data seems to have improved. I know we've still got a few things we're working on with Garmin in regard to getting elevation calculations right, but I did notice some improvement there. Um, and I think the only other one I'd come across, but it was one of those that didn't always happen, but occasionally in my own unit, I know customers would sometimes mention it, they would look at something like their current activity, the current recording. The, now, the thing with Garmin's is always two or three ways you can find things in the unit. And sometimes if you went in a certain way, uh, say using the magnifying glass or the find button, current activity, it would freeze the unit up, even though you could view your current activity by going in the back end of the unit that seems to have been cured as well. So that was the main two fixes. And what's the big change well, then? I what just think this is nice. Um, with the Montana 700 series and the 86 and 66 series, you've been able to use this Garmin Explore app for sending routes, tracks, you know, G GPX files to your unit. But if I'm honest, the Explore app's been a bit... Well, for me, it's been a bit of a nightmare because the way the Explore app works, as well as letting you send something to the GPS, every time you sync with it, it's wanting to look at everything that's on your GPS and copy things backwards and forwards, and it can take ages and not always work. There's another app called the Garmin Connect app, which those of you who have got watches, Garmin watches, would be pretty familiar with. The way that worked with the Montana 700s and the 66s and 86s was it could show your activity recording, but you couldn't send a, what they call, they call it a course in the Connect app. You couldn't send a GPX file to your unit. But what's changed now, there's a new folder within the Montanas and the 66s called Courses. And if you get sent a GPX file, say on an email, and this is what I do, and this is why I find it so quick because I've been doing this with my watch for years. I get a GPX file on an email on my phone. Now, I'm an Android phone. I know it's slightly different on an iPhone, but you can still do it. On my Android phone, I literally save that GPX file to drive on my phone, and then I go into that drive. All your phones might be slightly different, but you'll have somewhere you can save attachments to. I go into that folder, and it says, what do you want to open this file with? I say Garmin Connect. It does say what activity you're doing, and I, I normally just pick trail run, and it can be changed to hiking or something later because it doesn't always give you every choice. You have to give it a name because it just gives it normally the date and time of you sending it to Garmin Connect. But once you've done that in Garmin Connect, you can go select the course, say send to, as long as the Bluetooth's on on your Garmin device, 
picks the device and it just sends it really quick. It's not syncing all the stuff uh-huh. off your GPS at the same time, seeing what courses you've got on. It literally just sends it and it's really quick. Very good. So I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fantastic. If you're away on holiday or something like that, you can download a GPX file from a website, you know, Walk Islands along those lines. Then if you say save it to your, your, your mobile phone, then you can just wirelessly transfer that. It's using the, blue, using the Bluetooth, Bluetooth. yeah. Directly onto yeah. your GPS, it's brilliant. It, it does. I'm not an iPhone user. It does work with the iPhone. The only thing I saw different when I was using my friend's iPhone to show them, when you go onto the GPX file, it sort of opens up what I would say a load of gobbledygook. It's trying to read the GPX file, but there's a little, on an iPhone, you get this little square with an up arrow in the top of whatever you opened, and that's to say share with. And when you select that, you can then say share with Garmin Connect, and then it does the same thing. fantastic very good anything else in that update or any other features that we've got in there no that was the main oh yes actually there was one other i noticed sorry i I tell a lie it's got this thing now where if you're navigating a track in the unit um, you get an on course to tell you you're on the track and then if you deviate off the track but i did notice you had to be quite far off the track it does give you an off course message now that's only on the tracks because if everyone remembers from an earlier pop Pod podcast we discovered a way that if you go into your marine settings and turn on the route alarm in marine settings you can have an alert when you go off course on a route but they've added this thing for tracks if you go off course on a track but at the minute it seems to be automatic there's no way you can turn it on or off it just seems to be there so if any of you have done this update and um, which we'll talk about how you do the update next you might start getting alerts when you're navigating a track saying on course off course just like we do with the watch at the moment yeah, like we do watch. with the watches yeah. so then finally you've kind of nicely brought how do we update our garmin gps units to uh, update this latest software yeah so there's three ways you can do it those of you who are using garmin Basecamp on a windows computer you can just with the device connected to your computer and once Basecamp's recognized it there's a menu at the top that says devices when you click on there check for software updates just follow the prompts if you've got a mac and you're using Basecamp, i have found there's an extra bit of software called garmin web updater if you literally just search on safari garmin web updater download it'll take you to a page where you get the option to download it for windows or mac and then you open up the web updater it'll do it you can use that on a windows computer instead of Basecamp as well and the final one is garmin express utility program That'll search for updates and download them. The only thing with Garmin Express, bear in mind, any of you who have got the European maps on your unit, you normally get prompted to say there's map updates which can take absolutely ages. And if you haven't got enough memory on your unit, it can cause problems. So if you're using Garmin Express, I would recommend when it says updates found, you can say show me the updates. Don't select the map updates. Just select the firmware updates. Fantastic. And that's a nice... And software updates are very, very quick, aren't they? You say about the uh, the maps take ages, but yeah. the software ones are very, very Yeah, quick. and then when you turn your unit on, it'll just say a new update found. Um, do you want to install? Yes or no. And I should have said, always make sure you've got a good charge in your unit or a good set of batteries in your unit before you send an update to it. Fantastic. So if you want to watch some video tutorials on how to update your GPS unit, please just sign into the GPS Training Online resource. This is packed full of videos and top tips. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk and click on online resource on the top menu bar. The next thing on this month's GPS Training podcast is Andy's top tips. Andy. A Garmin and a SatMap top tip, just two. I'm impressed, Andy. Yeah, I thought, well, we've talked a lot about other things, and I thought, well, the tips on doing the updates. Um, uh, so it's two right. nice, quick tips. So you. Garmin update first, then. I've had a lot of, well, not a lot, because it's not something that happens very often, but I've had a few customers in the last, I'd say, month 
who have got Garmin's with built-in batteries have just asked me what happens if a unit was to crash or freeze because normally on any GPS unit we sell we always say if you've had a problem with the unit and it's froze up it can happen something that it could be something you're doing you've loaded a, a faulty GPX file a corrupt GPX file so it mightn't be a fault of the unit but you need to be able to get that unit turned back on and then you know not use that file if that's what's caused the problem on a unit that doesn't have batteries you put in you've got a built-in battery how do we reboot the unit if the screen's froze doesn't happen very often but you know it can happen what you've got to do is the on off button normally you just hold that in for a few seconds and the unit would turn on and off when you've had a freeze on the unit if that has happened hold the on off button in for a good i'm saying 20 30 seconds i'm probably exaggerating a bit but you literally just keep that on off button held in and what you'll find is after that length of time, a lot longer than you normally hold it in, the unit will just reboot itself, come back on, and then normally you're fine. And if you have been recording a track, all you've got to do is go into your track manager on your unit and you get the option of resume. You don't lose any, or you shouldn't be losing any data from your, your track recording. That's brilliant. So if you've got a gun with a built-in battery, if it does freeze, just hold the power button down for 20 to 30 seconds or until it You'll reboots. You'll see it reboot, yeah. Fantastic. Also, if you've got a unit with batteries, you can just take the batteries out and put them back in again. Excellent. Your sat map top tip, Andy. Yes, yeah, so sat map. Um, it's a feature that a lot of people um, maybe don't know what it is or don't use. And I'm thinking this time of year, you're out on a, a winter's day walk and you come across a, a lovely country pub with a log fire roaring inside and you want to go in for a meal or a drink. And a lot of customers with the sat map will find if you turn your sat map unit off, you'll probably know that it's... Um, when you turn it back on it just take a little bit just to come back on because it's got high resolution maps that take a bit longer than a standard map to load especially if you've got the 1 to 25 maps a little tip is now why would we normally turn the unit off in the first place when we go inside a building when you go in the building it loses satellite signal because it's a line of sight instrument so it'll be using a lot of battery trying to lock on the satellites and if it does occasionally get a satellite link while you're sitting near a window you end up with this big zigzag spider's web on the screen and you get wrong data about where you've walked because it's trying to lock onto the satellites now rather than turn the unit off what you have on a sat map active 20 unit and if i remember rightly i think it was on the older units as well press the on off button once and let go so not holding it in to turn it off just one press and you'll see as default on the screen you've got this option called hibernate one hour hibernate two hours so if you were stopping for a pub lunch thought oh, i'm going to be in the pub an hour hour and a half if you just say hibernate two hours what happens is your screen goes off doesn't turn the unit off but it stops the gps recording stops the satellite signal and then you can sit in have your pub lunch whatever you're doing and when you come back out it doesn't matter if it's before the two hours is up um you just touch the power button once so it is a one single press of the power button and that cancels the hibernate and the unit's back on gets a satellite signal really quick because it's not actually been totally shut down and away you go on your walk again very good excellent and you can change those in the settings the defaults oh yeah the so if you, if you wanted it longer if you if you're someone who's having a three-hour pub lunch mm -hmm. if you went onto the main menu of your active 20 and into settings and one of the options is hibernate settings you can change what those buttons do from the one to two hours to 45 minutes you can go less or you can go higher three hours four hours so you can change what the buttons do i've never had any you know i don't tend to stop for more than two hours so and at the end of the day after two hours all that would happen is the unit would the screen stop. would come back on but uh i just think it's a nice feature rather than turning the unit off and then having to wait for it to boot up just use the hibernate when you go inside but bear in mind that when it's hibernated it isn't recording it hasn't got a satellite signal so you just, need to make sure when you go outside you get to go so when again. you come back out and it's and, and your screen's still off you just 
power button one single press don't have to hold it in one single press check the screens come back on and then just give it 20 seconds or so and it'll have a satellite signal and the recording will just start again brilliant fantastic so how to hibernate your satmap active 20. To find out more top tips, please do sign up to the GPS Training online resource, which is packed full of top tips. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, and click on the online resource on the top menu bar. And finally, many thanks for listening to this month's GPS Training Podcast. If there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please do get in touch and do give us a call, especially if you're thinking about buying a new outdoor GPS unit and have a look at both our physical GPS training courses and also our webinars. Please just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk and click on GPS Training Courses. If you can tell a friend about the podcast, that would very much be appreciated and encourage them to subscribe on whichever podcast app they are using. And if you can give us a five-star rating or a snazzy review, that is all also very much appreciated our next podcast is actually going to be on new year's day and i've got a special guest for this one and he doesn't even know about this i've got tommy wilkinson on there do you know who tommy wilkinson is no. come on andy you do you're gonna know who he is when you say the name yeah <laughs> he's a downhill mountain biker who's got a paralyzed one arm. oh god yeah it's, uh, it's yeah, just downstairs yeah. in our building andy yeah so oh, course, it's a fantastic yeah. individual tommy wilkinson is a downhill mountain biker who now rides with a paralyzed arm at a serious mountain bike accident a number of years ago he actually rode a very high level in downhill mountain biking amazing individual and um yeah very not he now does video editing and and, and photo and very much on the mountain bike he actually did some work on the spine race last year he did some filming for the spine race okay. last year so he's a really interesting guy so I'm actually recording an interview with him, my last day in work before uh, Christmas, and uh, and then that will go out on New Year's Day. So that's it, Andy, for this month's GPS training podcast. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, great, thank you. Very good. Anything else to add before you go? Have you got anything planned for Christmas? Are you got all your Christmas present board without your internet access and no electricity? It saved us, it saved us a bit money on Black Friday weekend, having no electricity. <laughs> but I think our Christmas shop was pretty much done. They're all getting head torches for Christmas <laughs> and emergency power packs from work. And then you can do uh, video reviews on them, can't you, as yeah. well? So. Look what you've got for Christmas from work. A head torch, just in case electricity goes off, so it's practical. Yeah. And a battery pack, again, just in case electricity goes off, practical. Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been taking... I mean, the power packs that I've bought from work, I have been taking them all home. They've been yeah. a godsend. So, yeah, I just hope my electricity's back on before Christmas. You didn't you have no mobile <laughs> phone sticker for a little while as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that? when it went off on Friday, the problem was there was no communication because um, the mobile mast went down. That right. didn't come back till Sunday afternoon but because most people where i live even though we're quite rural we do actually have the fiber broadband because all those cables well there's no electricity anyway a lot of uh my neighbors have been changed to the um oh they the phones through the fiber yeah. line so they haven't even got landlines i'm lucky oh, wow. i've still got my copper landline and i but i had to find an old phone off a neighbor one that didn't need power so we did have the landline but mm-hmm. i'd say the majority of my neighbors all have the, the phones where they would have been using the broadband connections wow. so. and that's great they're gonna be quite a while before they repair that isn't it i would have thought yeah i think i think our broadband's going to be a few weeks looking at all the fiber cables dangling <laughs> in the road but the more the thing is the mobile actually where we live the, once the mobile masks back up which it is now yeah the mobile data is actually not that bad very you know, good it's actually quite good we so. get your money back off your broadband provider andy yeah hopefully. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> anyway thank you very much everybody for 
joining me on this latest GPS training podcast. And if we don't speak to you before, all the best for Christmas and the new year. Thanks for listening to the GPS training podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Thank you.